What is good, everybody, man? Welcome into the Blue Bloods, the Coach's Corner Week 3 recap, man. The season in full swing right now, man. Listen, we got a lot to talk about. Listen, before the chat and people listening are like, you didn't listen to us. You asked us last week. We picked Sunday night. Listen, my guy, Coach Fred, he's got the conference play opens up. He's got to practice. Listen, they need to keep winning. They're on a win. Hey, got a big win this past weekend over McNeese State. So, hey, we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. So, guys, we're going to be live Sunday night or Monday afternoon. It's just going to depend on Coach's schedule. Listen, it takes a lot of moving and shaking to make something like this happen. And, hey, we're going to have some – me and Coach are going to have some big news probably next week. It's in. It's probably confirmed now. Want to get all the paperwork signed, but then me and Coach will probably have a big announcement next week that has to do with the website and moving forward what the Blue Bloods is going to be. But, man, let's get right into it. Coach, how you do? How you feeling, man? Big win this past weekend. Only the second out-of-conference win for the SWAC this year. Man, uh, big. That was big. That was big. We needed that one in the worst way, getting ready to go into conference play. Uh, versus a, uh, a a really good McNeese team. Um, and it felt good to get that and be the only team to, again, have beat, beat McNeese. Uh, and to do it twice in a row, man, it, it was even better. And um, defense played lights out. Offense, man, we started fast. Uh, just a great feeling at the end of the day. Now it's done with that. On to the next. I'm telling you guys, one of the biggest matchups this weekend – is going to be the PV rushing attack versus that front seven of Allcorns. Man, Allcorns defense, Coach, I know I know you're a wide receiver guy, but, man, that defense has been playing some ridiculous football this year for Allcorn. Man, we go against it every day. Um, Coach Thomas and, uh, you know, the guys on that side, have those guys playing really fast, really hard, um, you know, can do nothing but take the hats off to those kids. Uh, they just put their heads down and work, um, and that's, you know, what coach thomas does and they follow him uh been working pretty good man Let, let's get into some storylines coach before we get into like the x's and o's breaking down some of the biggest games this weekend were there any storylines coming out of the weekend that, that you wanted to hit on man uh and i, I think we're going to get into it in the recap as well but i i think before we closed the last show you talked about sack uh, being able to go up there to uh, Stanford, man, that was actually uh, that was actually a pretty good a, a good game, great finish. Um, that storyline in itself, I think, is just really huge. Um, and then the uh, the fact that Miles almost pulled off another one, man, uh, from the conference within, you know, that I'm in, uh, was man, that was that was a good 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 win for UAPB, uh, a, a near miss. Um, and then when you get into more of the conference, man, that Delta State, uh, Mississippi Valley, uh, I thought the line was a, a joke. Like, you know, oh, it's going to change. But they knew something I didn't. Uh, you know, hats off to, to, to them with a big win. So to me, those three things across our landscape, to me, uh, were pretty big. Yeah, I mean, listen uh... – I'm sorry. Like, if you're a D1, I, I get it. Valley's rebuilding. I loved what Wade talked about in his presser today in the SWAC teleconference. But if you're a Division One program, you can't let a D2 team beat you by 28 points. No, you can't let them cover. <laughs> no. I mean, they were 25-point favorites, and everyone talked all week about how disrespectful that was and that at least cover it. Like, none of us were picking Valley for the win. Like, I don't think anyone picked Valley to win that game. But, Ben, you let them put up – 
35 points and hold you to a single touchdown of the day. That's tough. Um, you know, and when we all talk about a loss is a loss, a win is a win, but certain losses count even more than other losses. And that loss right there had to hurt because it was so publicized about the line and the whole nine. Yeah, I think, you know, building off of that, I, I, it's finally kind of getting to that point where conference plays firing up across the country. There's a few good out-of-conference games throughout the rest of the slate, but I got um, shout-out to um, the guys over at the FCS um, fans' Facebook page. Man, they got the out-of-conference records per conference, and I think there's it's interesting to see, you know, listen, I no offense, the Pioneer League doesn't have scholarships. Their 1-18 record doesn't surprise me. I mean – they have no scholarships, but they do have four D2 losses, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's a lot of D2 losses. The NEC and Southland, though, especially the Southland, really surprised me. Coach, the Southland went 2-10 and ten in out-of-conference play. One of those wins being Incarnate Word this past weekend over Abilene Christian. The SWAC, 2-7, three D2 losses. The MEAC was three and six with two D2 losses. All three wins for the MEAC coming over CAA teams, though. That's the interesting thing, especially because the CAA went 13 and five. So three of their five losses were to MEAC teams, but they've been killing the other out of conference teams. And that in itself, uh, because they lost a couple teams there, right? Uh, you know, that, that, that's huge. Um, and again, like you said, man, the D2 losses, man, that's uh, that's a tough blow to any conference, uh, especially ours. And then especially with the one that was in state, uh, that becomes tough. Uh, that's going to be really tough to get through with the recruiting um, on that end of the state. But, uh, you know, the one conference boasts to be a pretty strong conference across, you know, one double A. Um, you can't have that kind of record, uh, especially if you're not playing up in all your games, which they weren't. So no. Yeah, because I mean the the SWAC and MEAC, they weren't playing the big sky in VFC. Like there, there were none of those matches. I mean, heck, even the Big South OVC, I don't think had a lot of SWAC MEAC matchups. Yeah, like the SWAC's wins have kind of and it's crazy because take out the MEAC, the SWAC's only got one mm -hmm. out of conference win and it's you guys over McNeese last weekend. I mean that's got to change. I mean, we talked about it this all season, the swack out of conference struggles, but going into the season, me and you spoke about, there was a lot of confidence in some of these games. Like everyone yes. kind of thought the conference as a whole was going to take that step forward. It is not. And it shows again, man, like those out of conference games count eventually because let's just say this coach fam using the driver's seat. They have the win over, over Jackson. When it comes playoff time for Jackson, it's not only Jackson's schedule that matters. They're going to look at the swag and they're like, by the end of the year, let's say it's two and 10 out of conference. They're going to say, yeah, okay, Jackson went nine and two, but who did Jackson beat? Because yep. all Jackson's opponents all got smashed in out of conference play. Yeah, the strength of the schedule, the strength of the conference schedule, all that's going to play in. And um, like you said, I mean, it becomes a deal where, okay, you got all that, but then you had wins versus teams that had, D2 losses. Uh, you had wins versus teams that lost to non-scholarship uh, programs, you know, that kind of thing. All that plays, and like you said, it all goes back to uh, scheduling. All goes back to scheduling. 
uh, just to put it out there, the MVFC led all teams 17-5 and in out-of-conference games, one FBS win. We talked about the CAA. The Big Sky 14-7 and with two FBS upsets. And the Patriot League 10-6 and with one FBS win. Of course, the Ivy League started last week. They went 5-3 and out-of-conference in their first week. And they started, what, uh, two weeks behind everybody. So, yep. um, you know, again – uh, what they have one more week of, of non-conference coming out, I think. No, a lot of their teams play conference games this weekend. There's a few that have out of conference, yeah. you know, squeezed in. I know they still but have yeah, there, there's a lot of teams that start conference play with. So them. that may the change. Thing, up yeah, up. the thing with them with no postseason, they really don't care. Like the Ivy League, like I know people joke about the swag kind of living in their own bubble. The Ivy League is in their own like they do not care they go and play some out of conference games every once in a while they win a good bit they've, they've had an above 500 record i want to say for like a few straight years now but they don't really care what the you know matter. rest of the country's doing no nah, it don't matter uh we get in these books <laughs> is that hey and shout out to them they're doing their thing coach the others there's two other storylines i want to hit one man i i don't i think it's safe to say i i don't i know this might be an overreaction right now it's week three I think there's there's an argument to be made. The best player in FCS football right now plays at Holy Cross and plays quarterback right now. Matthew Matthew Sluka is out there killing people this year. He led them to a win over Yale, 49-24, completed 23 of 30 pass attempts for 275 through the air, four passing touchdowns, and then led his team with 98 rushing yards and two more rushing touchdowns. He right now. He's in the driver's seat. Man, he is balling. And, I mean, I just want to say this. No D2 games on the schedule. They've played Mary Mack, who on paper was one game away from winning the NEC last year. They played Boston College and was three points away from pulling the upset and then played Yale, who was voted the preseason favorites to win the Ivy League. So he's not playing just a bunch of scrubs. Like He's out there balling against really good teams. And, put, and doing numbers. And doing numbers, did decent numbers, um, above decent numbers versus uh, BC, uh, who took Florida State to the wire. Uh, so, you know, his numbers are legitimate numbers. Yeah. I mean, so this season, Coach, he's completed 71% of his passes, almost 600 yards passing, six passing touchdowns, leads Holy Cross with 324 rushing yards, four rushing, and is averaging seven yards per carry. True dual threat. <laughs> True dual threat. Mm. Um, he is uh he's in the driver's seat right now. I think uh when you're talking about the the one double A Heisman, um, you know, that award. And it goes back to a talk we had a few shows ago. Um now does he have legitimate numbers to be placed in the Heisman conversation? I think he does, but Willie, uh, you know, playing a holy cross is not gonna help. Uh, but his numbers are going to say that he is, you know, should be in that conversation at least to start out. He's playing at Holy Cross at the wrong time because if he was playing in the 80s, they had a guy who finished top five in the Heisman for two straight years in Lockbaum, who played both sides Lock of bomb. the ball, of course. I mean, so Holy Cross has had two Heisman finalists, which I mean, but yeah, right now, I, I don't think he's in the Heisman race. And, and Derek, I know I see you in the chat. We're talking FCS. We're not trying to compare him to Shador or Caleb Williams. Like we're talking Walter Payton numbers. So he's the best player in FCS right now. We're not trying to make that distinction right now. But and, and Timothy makes a good point because if you go watch the film, he plays 
every play, like the defense disrespected him. I mean, he was out there trash talking Yale. Yale was getting the work every play. He was out there talking to a Yale player. And I was like, he's so he, he plays so angry and so aggressive. And I love that from a quarterback because sometimes your quarterback isn't that guy. He's not the enforcer. When you got a quarterback who can ball out like that and he's the enforcer and he's out there shoving his head, you know, get, getting hit and, and trying to truck people, that just brings a whole nother energy to that team. I seen him uh, play a little bit against uh, BC. And I almost made the comparison out loud. And I'm going to knock on wood before I do it. But uh, he gave me young Johnny Manziel, Johnny football vibes. But it was genuine. It wasn't an act. It was who he is for his team. And that was, uh, that was you know, one of those things that was really impressive that I got to see with him playing BC. You know, he didn't yeah. care. I, I really – I think that's a good comparison. I think, you know – I. He almost has like a little bit of like a Baker Mayfield build to him too, without the recklessness. I didn't say Baker because I felt that Baker built himself off of Johnny. Yeah, I, I feel you. So he's like the OG, like he's the man. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. And I, I feel like he has, I, I feel like his personality compares more to like a Tebow more so than a Manziel, but I just don't think he's as big as Tebow. He's, he's a little bit more, right. he's got a little bit more twitch than Tebow. Tebow was just a bruiser, man. Like, I mean, yeah, he, he would bully, he would bully. you, Yeah, he but Manziel had that more twitch to flash. And I think when you go back and look at, at Saluka's highlights, like he has a little bit more wiggle to his game than I think a Tebow did. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got that. Oh yeah. And, and Timothy said a mini Cam Newton vibes. Like, yeah. Cause I, unless you can't compare physically to Cam, like obvious, I mean, no one is, is that big and that fast, but in terms of like his athleticism, I'm with you there with his breakaway speed and his ability to create the explosive play. I, I'll say this because before we move on, he, he is that good on a team where a lot of people over, like, I feel like he's so good. He can bring his team with them. I think that's why they're a national championship contender. They got uh, some other good pieces. Jalen Coker is a dog at wide receiver. We've talked about that. His catch yeah. radius, his connection with Saluka. But if you take Saluka off that team and insert just a good quarterback, I don't think they. I don't think there is is the ceiling is as high for this team without him at the signal caller position. No, um, because they play like I said, watching him versus BC. Uh, those guys play for him. You know, anytime he was uh, tackled, whatever you had, three or four guys going to get him up, plus going to get themselves set. Um, anytime a kid has control, uh, and I shouldn't say control, has his team backing him that way, man, I mean, you know, you take him off of that and it's not going to be the same uh, because they've brought in to him being their leader. Yeah. I, I, my last storyline, Coach, is this finally the year we see Campbell have a breakthrough season? Because since that loss to William and Mary, they they competed really well with William and Mary. Ten point loss. William Mary is a great team. They're a top ten team. Probably going to make a run to the quarter to semifinals, and they're a consistent top ten team. Since that game, coach, two blowout road wins. You got the one over the Citadel, but I'm super impressed that they went into Monmouth, who was receiving some top twenty five consideration, and they absolutely demolished them offensively. I mean. They're so balanced offensively. They're averaging almost 200 yards on the ground. They already got 12 rushing touchdowns this year, and they're still putting up over 250 through the air. And I think Haj Malik, man, he's been playing so long that there's no doubt in him as the leader. But, man, it's really it really does seem like that running back room 
They lost some of their top contributors. It was just like step up, replace. We got talent in this running back room. And I think we're starting to see those recruiting classes pay off because we both thought everyone thought Campbell was kind of going to get left behind in the CAA. Man, their only losses to the consensus favorite in that conference. And they beat Monmouth, who was probably going to fight for that six to seven to eighth spot. And they beat them pretty handily on the road. Yeah. Um, but we touched on them before. Um, you know, this team has been in the top half of recruiting classes uh, for the last three years. Um, so those kids, the ones that have stayed, uh, those kids should be now coming of age where this should be something uh, happening on a regular. Now, uh, the consistency part is the only thing that I worry about uh, when you talk about that B is like, okay, are they going to be able to put that? Because we talk about those emotional wins. Um, are they going to be able to put that together back-to-back weeks consistently or is this something new and it's going to take them out, you know, take them a couple of weeks to get over that big mammoth win, or is this something that they hey, consistently can do? Uh, listen, their next game this weekend at home against Elon, that's a winnable game. In my opinion, if Definitely. they can beat Elon, they go to three and one, two and one in the, in the conference, their next two games become so crucial. They go to central, in a game where, yes, Central is probably going to be favored, but Davius Richard gets banged up against UCLA. We don't know Story what percentage. Yeah, we don't know what he's going to be. And they're not going to have any doubt that they can't compete with Central after what they did to them last year. I mean, it was a blowout. I don't care what anyone says. They handled Central last year in a year where Central went on to win the Celebration Bowl. And then they have Hampton, who has been one of the most inconsistent teams. They're missing oh, a man. bunch of starters. Yeah. Man, if they win those three games – uh, which isn't isn't out of the realm of possibility. You're looking at Campbell sitting there five and one. What would that be? Three and one in the CAA, and then their next games against Maine, who's one of the lower end teams at home for homecoming. Six and one, four and one in the CAA before you go into the death stretch of Richmond, Delaware. Yeah. I mean, and then it's at the end of position. the year. They go play A&T, who has yet to throw for 100 yards in a game and has been anemic offensively. You're looking, they realistically, it is, they could finish their first season in the CAA with only two losses. Yeah. Um, like you said, if they can get to that stretch and they get to that stretch healthy, uh, the confidence is going to be through the roof. Um, and some of those, like, again, some of those top recruiting classes start to show up. Um, and now you're matching people talent for talent. Um, and then you mentioned it, that running back room now inserts itself in the ball games. Um, now you're talking about shortened ball games to where they could probably get out and be able to survive uh, because they are so talented in that running back room. Yeah. I mean, and the good thing too is their one tough road game is Richmond on the road. They do have to, they get Delaware at home, which is a big win, but I still would favor Delaware right now. The one thing that they do have a, that weird late power five game, they play North Carolina on November 4th, the third to last week of the season. You have to get out of there healthy. We saw that with Pete. What was it two years ago with PV? They yeah. clinched that SWAC championship berth. They go to uh, t- was it Texas A and M, and they lose their starting quarterback, like two offensive linemen. The defense yeah. gets banged up, and now you're going into the SWAC championship crippled. You can't if you're Campbell, you can't let that happen because at that point you're probably playing for an at-large bid. You have to be healthy th- those last two weeks of the season to be able to hit the stretch, you know, the playoff run, or get yourself in position to be in the playoff run. Um, and it's tough, you know. Uh, do you throw those kids out or what do you do? Um, how does that actually work? So um, I think that's one of those deals where I guess we'll wait and see where we are in the schedule. 
um, in the win-loss column and kind of go from there. Yeah, I you know, m- moving into the, some of the games I want to talk about, we're going to start with one you kind of brought up earlier, and this is one we had to talk about. Sacramento State, a huge FBS Power 5 win over Stanford, man. I mean, and for those who didn't watch the preview show or really don't know the backstory, Sacramento State's head coach, Troy Taylor, leaves Sac State, takes the, the Stanford head coaching job. Defensive coordinator Andy Thompson is promoted to head coach. Andy Thompson leads the Hornets to a huge upset over their former head coach at, at, at Stanford. And, I mean, listen, shout-out to Caden Bennett, Marcus Fulcher, two playmakers. That 49-yard game-winning touchdown that came with less than two minutes <laughs> remaining, that was just a play. He was under pressure. The play broke down. Marcus Fulcher found the open spot, made a guy miss, and they went and scored. And, I mean, now you're looking at the, the Hornets. Coach, they've won 22 straight regular season games. 12 straight road games man this team everyone was kind of worried that this team was going to take a step back they got three division one wins over the first two over the first three weeks of the season two of those on the road man this team's rolling and i was one of the ones that think that thought they would because they lost uh some key pieces um i thought if this game was played last year that they would have won this game uh easily so to speak um but they go in and they handle themselves. I mean, they handle themselves. They they outgained them, uh, you know, time for possession. Uh, they won that. Uh, so this wasn't just, you know, a fluke play at the end of the game. I mean, they actually earned this win. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that caught my eye is they stayed efficient on third downs. They were 11 for 16 on yep. third down attempts. And their front seven played lights out, man. Jet Stanley off the edge was a problem. I want to say he had three tackles for loss, three sacks. Armand Bailey, who's an All-American and led the team with 11 tackles, also had to sack. I mean, this defense really stepped up, and this defense has played well for most of the year. And then Caden Bennett, listen, they brought in Carson Camp, who was a starter at South Dakota. That, that first game against Nichols, I think, was a little bit closer than most people expected it to be, but they were rotating quarterbacks in and out to see who's the guy. Man, that Bennett has earned that spot. He grabbed it, and you can just see, man, his dual threat ability takes this offense to the next level. That's where Sacramento State shines, in my opinion. You look at last year, Asher O'Hara in the QB rotation. To have a quarterback you don't have to rotate in and out to give you the rushing threat is taking the Sac State team to, to the next level. And he had 279 through the air, 100 rushing, and three total touchdowns. Caden Bennett has proven to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country right now. And, you know, the uh, the other thing about it, though, B, is that they were able to control what I thought would have been something that Stanford would have had the, the edge on was the rushing game. I thought Stanford at some point would just lean on them, lean on them, lean on them and break them down. Uh, but that wasn't the case. They held that in check uh, and they made up the difference through the pass game. Um, and then, like you said, on third down, they were just really efficient. They made uh, Stanford, you know, 50 percent on that kind of deal. Uh, that was a team really knowing a team without knowing a team. Uh, yeah. And basically, hey, you know, we're not scared of you. You know, we're going to come and we're going to play uh, toe-to-toe and we'll let it go from there. And that's how they actually played. I mean, and, and shout out to Timothy in the chat, man. Six total sacks for Sacramento State, who also, I want to say, did not give up a sack. 
man, that's elite offensive line play, and that's your front seven just going out there and hunting. And you do have to give a, a shout-out. I had head coach Andy Thompson on the show after he was named head coach, and I asked him, I said, are you going to keep running your defense or are you going to pass that off now that you're the head coach? And he said, we have something special. This is my defense. I'm calling the defense. He was like, maybe I'll give it to someone in the future. But he was like, I know what I can do with this defense. And you're seeing it, man. <laughs> They're out there playing insane. He knew who those sophomores and juniors were. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he knew who those guys were, man. Ain't no sense in changing that, brother. I'm with no. him. And shout out to Sacramento State. Coach Thompson, oh, I, got to talk, I got to talk to him before the Nichols game, and that was a hell of a win, one of the biggest wins of the year. But, Coach, shifting to a team that – is getting votes in the top 25 now. And I'm very surprised because I had them as an honorable mention in my ballot. I didn't think the rest of the country was going to be as quick to jump on board because I, I was high on this team coming into the preseason. Tennessee State pulling off the win over Gardner-Webb. Coach, we talked a little bit about this game on the preview. Even, I think, it, it, it's a little bit surprising because we were we were talking a lot about Davion Bryant Man, Draylon Ellis coming out of nowhere in this game to steal back the starting quarterback position. And they, this team, this, this the defense just made key plays. We talked about this, how good this defense can be. Yep. Yes, they might not have played a perfect game. They, they allowed, I think, almost 150 yards rushing. They allowed over 200 through the air, two big passing touchdowns, but they made key stops. And I think that's the sign of a good defense is we, you can get the yards, but you're not getting in the end zone. They held them to five of 22 um, third down. You can't win many ball games if you get to third down situations 22 times and you only convert five. Um, big win for you know Coach George and all that. Uh, but I'm just not ready to jump on this train, man. I just, uh, again, when you have, you know, the the penalties and the, the turnover turnovers that they had, um, I just think that's going to later, if you don't clean that up, man, that's later going to catch up to you in a game that you probably uh, should win, but you turn it over um, and then you have almost 100 yards and penalties, man. That's just going to make it tough. So I'm not quite ready to jump on the train, but again, big win, big win. Yeah, yeah no, and I didn't have them in my top 25. I'm not there yet. I put them at 30. <laughs> 30 you know, that audible mention spot for me are teams that I have my eye on. If you can keep taking those steps forward, then you can get in there. But Tennessee State, I still need to see more. I'm with you. Right. They, what I was saying, they did a great job. Only two for four on red zone attempts for Gardner-Webb. They pulled. They, they did a really good job of not letting them score. And then, they, like you said, the third down defense was amazing. I just want to see, like you said, more discipline because you can't have over 100-plus penalty yards against UT Martin against you know in the playoffs if you end up going there you can't you can't put that up i just i still want to see i think they took a step forward in this more offensive consistency i think they they showed flashes where on broken plays that's where Draylon ellis is best if if the pocket breaks down if the, if the coverage breaks down you a chance man Draylon ellis is just a playmaker he's that guy i want to see more when it's just that three five step drop and we just got to make a decision. I need to see more of that more than, oh, it's a broken play. I'm that guy. I'm just better than you. Because somebody's going to end up making you have to do that. They're going to, you know, they're going to stay pocket. We're going to keep them right there. And we're going to see if your outside guys are better than our outside guys. And we're going to see what the decision decision making is all about. So at that point, uh, that's where the turnovers, like I say, that that's where it's going to become really, really key uh, for them to turn those things down and to polish it up. Uh, but hats off to them and 
how long was that kick that kid kicked? Uh, uh, I want to say it was like 40 or 50. It was like 40 something yards. I want 40 to say some, 40 plus yards, man, right down the middle. Let That's me, big me, time, man. Uh, 50, 50 on 50. the dot and drained 50. it. Yeah, right down the middle. I mean, that was that's big time. Uh, that type of win can take you, uh, can take you, uh, take you long way in the season. Can take you a long way. Shout out to Monroe Beer too. I'm telling you, looking at that defense, that might that might have been, especially with Kayvon Pope not being with the team anymore. You know, he had he he was let go before, right before the season. Monroe Beard has stepped up in a huge spot. He's so versatile. He can play the outside linebacker. He can go inside and play Mike. He's great in coverage. He's athletic. Man, 12 tackles a tackle for loss this weekend. That's back. I mean, he's been one of the top performers all three games. If Tennessee State can start building some momentum, man, that this is a team I'm really, really excited, excited to see. And I'm looking here. I'm pulling up their schedule. They, this week, well, no, not this week. They have a bye week this week, actually. But next week, Coach, at UT Martin, that's the game I think I got circled. That's uh, that's going to be the game that uh, that gets me on the bandwagon or or gets me to saying, okay, cool, uh, yeah. maybe he just needs a little more time. But you've been screaming that young man name from the beginning. So when he blows up, uh, you, you've got to be the first one in line there. That Gardner-Webb that Gardner win was big because, what, they're 2-1. and one. The loss yeah. to Notre Dame kind of – doesn't really count. I don't. I hate to say that, but it it doesn't. No. Gave them a chance to see yeah. what really they had. You know, yeah. measuring stick. Gave them a chance. Yeah. yeah, not a big thing. At UT Martin, at Kennesaw State, the next the two weeks after their bye week, big games. Kennesaw State not very good this year. That's a winnable game, even on the road. I feel like that UT Martin game is big. But coach, after that, Norfolk State, winnable. Lincoln, winnable. the NAIA school, Lindenwood. Lindenwood, who just came up from D2, yep. Charleston Southern, eh, we'll see, Eastern Illinois and Tennessee Tech, they could be favorites in all those games coming down the stretch. If you can get one out of Kennesaw and UT Martin, you're, man, you're, that's you're pretty good. Eddie George has a shot, man. So I'm interested to see them. But, Coach, let's move on. A game I want to hit quickly. We both called this game. But, man, North Dakota State, continues to make a believer out of me man i listen i, I want to, to apologize I I, i'll say you. when i'm wrong i tried cam to miller you. cam miller went out there and just Where i mean is. proved everything i had to say wrong coach 18 Where for 19 it? for 202 touchdowns where is it i try to tell you man they uh i just you know again a program as such man they've got i'm sure the pride the they were they were embarrassed um, in that national championship game, um, and I think everybody thinks, or, or they think that everybody thinks the run is over. Uh, I really think they have something to prove, man, and they're playing like it. Uh, but I told you, uh, going there and if they can control it, which they did, it's going to be tough. Uh, almost thirty-five minutes worth of uh, you know ball control. I mean. Hey, UCA fault. The numbers say they fault, but time of possession, you fall behind a couple scores, it's going to be tough. And and uh, NDSU uh, got them behind and kept them behind, and that's what it was, you know. So I, I really feel like this is a program, a team that's got a chip on their shoulder, um, that's playing to get back and hoping that that team is there when they get there because I think they they have something to show, they have something to prove. Yeah, I think the the late the late game kind of 
small comebacks that Arkansas put on really kind of, I guess, dampens how dominant North Dakota State was this week. And coach, it was forty nine to seventeen with as late as seven minutes left in the game. Before those two, uh, those two late, like, yeah, yeah, the late. T- I mean, North Dakota State played excellent football. Man, Cam Miller. I'm not just saying this. Like, uh, you know, box score watches one thing. Man, I've watched this game live. He made some throws that made me say, okay, like maybe I kind of get the NFL hype around him, man. Cause I mean, he was putting it on a rope and making some NFL throws in very, very small windows. Cam Miller played a hell. If he can play like that coach, this team, this team is good enough to win another national chip. I mean, he is that good. And I think, you know, Cole Payton's electric with his legs. He had another rushing touchdown, but I think we kind of saw that there's a reason why Cam Miller was, was, listed the starting quarterback as kind of the guy who throws most of the passes he has it in him it's just establishing this week in and week out and they've just got to i think they've got to find one guy on the outside that when teams say hey we're going to put 15 people in the box and we're going to make you throw it that they know they can go get a play to uh their qb is good enough to do it they just got to establish that one guy i think that no matter what happens there, we ain't got to run it. We can throw it to him, and he's going to make a play. He's going to keep us in it. If they can establish that guy and be consistent, uh, they become real, 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 real problems uh, again in the 1AA college football world. Yeah, the passing defense is, is great. I, I love their secondary. I will say I'm not going to make a bold statement on their rushing defense because I just think Sunderic Powell is that good. This is a guy who was an All-American last year, was the A-Sun Offensive Player of the Year. 18 yeah. carries for 218 yards, two touchdowns, and averaged 12 yards per carry. That kid just had a – I mean, he, he was playing – it's one of those, like, blackout games where he doesn't even know what he's doing. He's just out there going. Uh, what did he rip one off for? Uh, 70. 70. Yeah, it was yards? like – I think it was – <laughs> like, yeah, right in between 70 and 80 yards. I mean, yeah. and they, they didn't know what to do with him. And, uh, you know, Coach, everyone asked why he transferred there because if you – if we talked in the preseason – Darius Hell, freshman All-American, All-American running back. Yep. They had Colin James, who was good. I mean, they had so much depth. It's like, why was Sundarek Powell transfer there? You see why. He trusted his talent. He's just that good. And I think he established himself as probably the best running back in that running back room. And it never hurts to have three good guys, but it also doesn't hurt to have a guy like Sundarek Powell back there. Because you know you can ride him, and when he needs to uh, take a blow after that 70-yarder, you know the next guy you put in there is no slap either. You know he's going to be able to do the same thing uh, when he needs a blow. He's able to do the same thing. It's a long season. Uh, you you know you hope that no one gets nicked up or dinged up, but it happens, especially the way he runs. Um, you've got to be able to have a guy that can come in there behind him and still play uh, to that level. And they they have that uh, now. They've just got to sew up some things defensively. I think. Um, to help them and and they'll be, you know, I think they've shown that they can get back into games uh, and become a playoff type team if they can continue to build and get better defensively, so to speak. Shift into a game coach. And I'm sure you've already watched this game about five times because this team has a common opponent <laughs> with the team that you're playing this weekend, man. Incarnate word, a big win over Abilene Christian on the road. Uh, man, I'm just going to say it. If Zach Calzada, starts cooking like this, the Southland's in trouble. But we said it. We call that. Um, if they get themselves together, um, they're going to be trouble just because we know everybody that they brought in there, how many people they brought in there, the talent on paper. 
Now, if that talent on paper starts to show up on the field, uh, they're going to be a tough out. Going to be a tough out. Yeah, I mean, this week in Calzada, 373 through the air, one passing touchdown, had two rushing, led the team with 66 rushing yards. If I had a critique, though, Coach, I still don't know if they have a guy at running back. And that's my concern is if you could take if, – if it comes to – like, it can Calzada do what Lindsey Scott did. And when you look back at that Lindsey Scott team, they had a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, they could run the football really well. It can Trey Siggers, can Gerald Wiley, can someone emerge as – the guy at running back because Calzada, when it comes to conference play, and especially because, especially when you get into um, like playoff time, because I think that I think this is a playoff team, you aren't going to be able to just do that. Like you can't go out there and taking away Calzada's yards. I don't think they had a running back that hit thirty. That's not going to win you any games. Uh, and then you know, at the uh, <laughs> the other part of that is, how many times are you going to be able to go out there and throw for four hundred yards? Because um, at some point, teams are just going to say, you know what, we know you can't run it. We'll just drop it back and see what happens there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on that as far as trying to find something uh, to help them in the run game or somebody else. And they've got to do that for that reason. And also, you don't want to get him banged up. Uh, and, and that's just a given that's going to happen if he's running and doing that much for you in your run game. Uh, hope that it doesn't, but you know the odds of it not happening are slim to none. Uh, so they've got to find another way to you know generate those yards uh, other than him. Um, so you know I, I agree with you fully on that. Yeah, Brandon Porter, a dog and wide receiver. That's all. Like I mean, how many kid just a playmaker? <laughs> two uh, two football fields. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just just and, and Jalen and Jalen Campbell shows some flashes, but when you got a guy like Porter, man, he he he's just gonna be the guy that gets to football. I really do like their front seven though. Incarnate Words front seven is has the has the experience, yeah. the talent to be special, but their secondary is really surprising me. They have a lot of new starters in the secondary. They were really efficient against McIver. I want to say they they held him to a season low. I, th- I wanted 15 of 32 for 189 in the interception. No touchdowns. They only have only sacked him once, man. The secondary was just locking it up in the back end. And you got to give them credit, man. They had a lot of new faces defensively, especially in the secondary. And it seems like they're slowly building chemistry. And if this team can get that type of play out of the secondary, I think with how southeastern Louisiana's looked, which we're going to get into them next. This is the fate. This is the favorite to win the South End right now. I think Incarnate Word, Kilo. This team looks prime to be that team. Ten yards per pass, man. Um, offensively, mm-hmm. uh, I mean that's a first down every time you decide you won't throw the ball. Uh, that's tough. And then, like you said, when you when you when you're talking defensively, um, and they clean up and they can take the ball away and don't give it away. Um, I again, like you said, that's that's what it's going to come down to. That game may be the deciding game for the championship. Moving on to another Southland team here, man. Didn't, didn't get the win, but I want to give a shot, man. Eastern Washington, we talked about them in the preview as a team that had a really tough first two games. You got North Dakota State and then a road game against Fresno State. They look like such a better team than that three-win team we saw last year, and they get a big win here, score 20 fourth-quarter points with two big touchdowns late in the fourth quarter, man, to, to, to pull away 40-29. I'm telling you, man. Uh, Visperus at quarterback, I think this kid can be special. He's still on the younger side. I want to say he's only a redshirt sophomore or something like that. It's either a sophomore or junior, but 33 of 47 for 349 and two passing touchdowns this weekend. And, and I mean, 
I, I think this kid could be special, Coach, if he just continues to take those small step forwards that we've seen week to week this year. And and, and keep the turnovers down, uh, which he did, only having the uh, only having the one interception. Uh, but the other thing, man, that I think was a glaring standout, you know, looking at the numbers, kind of brushing through the the uh, the game itself, uh, Southeastern was three of 11 third downs. Um, and when you're on the road, that's the one thing you've got to be able to convert uh, more so than at home is your third downs. Um, and three of 11 is just not going to get it. And then when you are almost 200 yards short against the team, you know, uh, you've got to find a way to make up those yards, and that's from the third down, just to give yourself an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Easter Washington, as great as Vispers is, having wide receivers like Efton Chisholm, Nolan Ohm, man, those guys were outstanding. I mean, even Anthony uh, Stell had eight catches, I want to say. They, when you had three wide receivers over eight catches, yeah, man, you'll take that. Even as a wide receiver coach, you know you'll, you would take that. I mean, listen, give me that all day. And three times on Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah, a thousand. And then shout out to Justice Jackson too, man. They're start when your starting running back gives you ninety-one a touchdown average, almost eight yards per carry. It takes a lot of pressure off yeah, your yeah. quarterback. And I I think when you look at the the run game for Southeastern wasn't terrible. I mean, they, they went for one fifty-two, and I, I thought they just weren't able to establish any consistency because yeah. of this coach. The quarterbacks were not. I mean, the passing game was. I don't want to say it was bad. I mean, they, they weren't at 143, three passing touchdowns a pick, but I felt like the passing game lacked explosion. It was it was it was in terms of efficiency, pretty yeah. pretty good, but they didn't have any explosiveness to their offense. And when on the other side of the ball, when your guy's going for 349, you got to push the ball down the field eventually. And I felt like they they lacked that vertical aspect to their passing game. And when you fall behind, that becomes a problem. Um, and, and looking at the numbers, exactly what you said, it was a and I don't know if that was done to protect the quarterbacks, but it wasn't just like a, a, a push, uh, push the ball down the field type of thing. Um, and when you're not running it uh, at a high clip, you've got to be able to push it down the field, especially when you fall behind. Um, so they've got to find that uh, aspect. And especially with the uh, collision that we're thinking uh, is going to happen. Um, they've got to find a way to stretch it and stretch it consistently in the past game to give themselves an opportunity. Ben, the final two games, two teams that are probably two of the hottest in college football right now. We'll start with Western Carolina, Ben, the fighting Kerwin Bells out here, proving the world wrong and still getting no respect. Coach, the, I just want to know, know, did you put them? I, I looked at it a little bit, but I didn't really dissect the, the top 25, man. Are they there? Yeah. Oh yeah, well for well they're in my ballot, and they yeah. made this they made the stats perform ballot too. They're still below Sanford, which is insane. I, yeah. I don't know how this has happened. They're they're twenty third in the actual ballot. In my ballot, they're thirteenth. Well, deserved. which which based on the law of averages with all the voters means there's still some voters that not, aren't putting Western Carolina in their top twenty five that aren't giving them votes. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to. Uh, let me pull it up. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to take a look at the coaches' poll today. But the, you know the coaches. The coaches' poll is terrible anyway. But that's. I forgot. Way. I'm glad you let me write that down because as soon as we stop and I'm going to coach's office and I'm going to demand that I get the poll and I'm a, I'm the official voter. Coach, <laughs> uh, you ready for this? Yeah. Stanford is 17th in the coaches' poll. Western Carolina is not ranked. 
How? How? I mean, I, I, coach, I, I just want to put this in perspective. Hampton is getting votes in the top 25. And, West and they Virginia. lost to Norfolk. And you still got coaches not voting Western Carolina in their top 25. I just want to list you off the teams that receive votes in, 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 the, in the coaches poll. Southeastern Louisiana, 0-3, just lost to Eastern Washington. Richmond, 1-2 with a loss to Morgan State, who, by the way, Morgan State didn't get any votes this week either. Come Villanova. on. Uh, Villanova's okay. I don't hate that. I'm not a, I'm not sold on Villanova, but they're 2-1, and one, not bad. Eastern Kentucky, getting votes, who just lost to Western Carolina. Hampton, getting votes. Stephen F. Austin, which I'm not mad about Stephen F. Austin. They're not, they're not a bad team, but I'm not sold on Stephen F. Austin yet. Yale, who is 0-1 right now in their season, just yes. got blown out by Holy Cross. Jackson State, who's 2-2, two two, just gave up 77 to Texas State. Austin P. Getting votes as well. 2-1. Don't hate, don't hate that for sure. Illinois State, I'm not pissed about that. Central Arkansas. Chattanooga, Eastern Washington, which I'm for, and Princeton. What are we doing at the coaches' what, poll? Like, who? What are we voting on? By that logic, uh, Norfolk should be receiving votes. You know what I mean? I mean but coach Harvard. <laughs> Harvard moved nine spots to number twenty-five after beating St. Thomas, who has no scholarships. I don't know, man. In Western Carolina. Again, handled business versus the number what 18 team, yeah. Handled business, and uh, at that time, we're number like eight, yeah. Top 10, 30, at the time. 30 to seven, and went on the road this weekend and beat Eastern Kentucky, who, if I'm not mistaken, was like one of the top one of like the top three vote getters in terms of like receiving votes, like just outside the top 25. Didn't, didn't yeah, still not enough. And I mean, they are doing it with, with numbers, brother. I'm talking about almost 600 yards of total offense. So it's not like it's just uh, muddying up a game. I mean, they are doing it with numbers, uh, and I just I don't understand it. Now they've got to get better in certain areas, but I mean, at the end of the day, they're still winning. Uh, they beat a top 10 team the the first uh, first time out. Um, and it, it wasn't a letdown. They won again. I don't get that. Um, I definitely don't get the Morgan. I think I'm more upset about the Morgan and then that, that situation because Morgan has been lights out, man. You, I mean, they lost this weekend. So I get it that some people probably, you know, hopped off the band because I mean, if that's listen, the they, case, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you got to hop saying, off the Hampton train. Like yeah, they lost to Norfolk state. If that's like, the case. Like what are we doing? Like I, I don't understand it at all. Uh, the I think the media poll is more consistent, but I mean the media poll is not perfect either, man. You like whoever doesn't have Western Carolina in their ballot still got to be kicked yeah. off the voting panel. What like you got to tell me what's going on? You got to tell yeah. me why. Give and me and the and what scares me is Western Carolina's next three games. They're probably going to be favored in. They got Charleston Southern at the Citadel and at Chattanooga. Chattanooga. You know, it would be a tough game on the road. Yeah. But they're probably going to be th – that's probably three wins going into their bye week. Five and one, undefeated in conference, and sets up a huge matchup after their bye week against Furman, who they get at home. I just don't understand how they uh, 
and, and it might fall apart, but they should at least be getting recognized now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the you look at the past two games. Like, let's take this weekend into account. Cole Gonzalez goes out there, throws for three forty, and three touchdowns. Goes goes touchdown for touchdown, pass for pass with an All American super senior and Parker McKinney. And Cole Gonzalez is going out here blow for blow as a tr- true sophomore in only a second season and wins the quarterback duel. And then at running back, you got in one of my favorite players to watch. He's one of my favorite players in the FCS. Desmond Reed goes for 177 in the touchdown, averaging over six yards per carry. The offense is dangerous, man. The offense, I mean, they, they got talented receivers. Sincere Lee, Desmond Reed's even doing it in the receiving game, gave you four for 63. A.J. Colombo. They got so much talent, and defensively, yes, it might not be, you know, the North Dakota State. Like we're just going to dominate you, and and just suffocate you. We're going to give up yards, but guess what? We're going to still outscore you. Like we're going to put up more points than you, and we're going to escape with the win. It's the old uh, arena football adage: if you can get me two stops, uh, two stops, we're good. And, and that's the way they're playing. You know, just defense just need to get a couple stops, um, eat a little clock, give us the ball, and we'll be fine. Uh, but when you got a running back that's touching it 29 times, um, you're throwing it 33 times, and you're efficient, and your defense is playing ball, I mean, you're going to be a tough out. Uh, you just need to make sure your defense travels, like you said, with some of those uh, tough road games coming up. Defense is going to have to travel. So where it was, give me two stops. They need you to get us at least three stops, you know, that kind of thing. And if they can do that, man, they've got enough offensive firepower, I think, to stay in with anybody. Carwin Bell is proving everyone that he he knows how to build. I And I'll say this, uh, and I hate to say this, I want coaches to stay at the FCS level if possible. I want to keep F, like FCS, keep their talent. But we know what college football is. If you're good, the next level's calling. And if Kerwin Bell builds like a legit contender at Western Carolina – He's getting a power five shot. Oh, no doubt. Just because of his background, his resume. Uh, he did it at JU uh, with no scholarships. Yeah. Uh, Valdosta. So, you know, you know Valdosta. Uh, obviously, he can recruit uh, because he's he's done it everywhere. You know, to be able to do it at JU with no scholarships. Man, come on. I mean, in, in Florida, I mean, that's, that's saying and, something. And he's connect, and he can recruit the state of Florida with the best of them too. And I think that's going to be the selling point. And that's why I was really hyped when he got the hire because man, Western Carolina didn't have a pipeline to Florida. Now you got a bunch of Florida boys up in the mountains of North Carolina and they're balling right now. I mean, we'll go, uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go anyway and play ball, but I just didn't know about <laughs> that, that, that mountain thing in Carolina with snow. I just didn't know about that, but he's hey. done it. He's proved it. he's gotten them out there, man. And those kids are doing really well. I saw a clip of Kerwin Bell talking to his team, man, and I, you, you know this. You've been in the profession. There's those coaches that just have that aura about them where you talk to him and it's like, man, I would run through a wall for him, and me and him are just having a conversation. Like, that's Kerwin Bell. Like, he – he, I don't want to – I don't. there's a negative connotation with this. I don't know what word to say, but he almost has like that car, that, that car salesman vibe where it's like 
he he's going to sell you on it, but you really, really believe him. Man, he was talking to his team after the game, and he was like, and you could just feel it on the screen, and the players like are getting built up, and they're yelling, and they're yelling, and yelling, and then like they all like hop up at once, and it's like that team believes in him, and he has them thinking they can go win a championship this year. And that just continues to build after every win. Mm. Um, you know, it was through the roof after the Sanford thing. Um, and people probably would, they were hearing the whispers about it being a fluke, um, the next week, a win. So that thing just continues to build, man. And he is who he is. And, uh, you know, those kids, like you said, those kids are believing in everything he's saying. And that's, that's part, that's half the battle. And all those players I named coach, uh, Timothy shout to him in the chat, told me all, all four of those were sophomores, true sophomores. (laughs) If he can keep, if he can keep the transfer portal away from this team, Next yeah, year, yeah. Western Carolina is going to be, be terrifying to play. Got to be preseason number one. Um, I don't know about number. Uh, the, I'm the okay. it, oh, in the, the SoCon, yes, in the SoCon, yes. I'm with you. I thought you meant. Now I'm like, whoa, no, whoa, no, whoa, no. Whoa. I, just yet. Yet. I just hope that they can get in the top 25 at this yeah, rate. At this point, like, what do they have to do? Like, who? Do, like, <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna have to make them beat Furman for them you to even get? In, in the co- in the coaches poll because they're the top 25 in the FCS stats now. I mean, same for Eastern Washington coach. Okay, let me ask you. I'm gonna save it to the end. Let's get this over this last game. Then we'll get then we'll get to our final segment. Southern Illinois, another team like Western Carolina on the upswing, had a huge week one win over Austin P. FBS win last week. They pull off one of the most miraculous wins, man. Uh, just I want to give a play by play of the of the final part of this game for those who didn't get to watch it because the box score doesn't tell it. 26-25 win for Southern Illinois. Simo has the ball. Gets to third down, they're just they're just gonna run it out and then punt it, make them go the whole field. Gino Hess, all American running back, he had a hell of a game. The one mistake at the one wrong time. He's in a pile, they stand him up, the refs are late on the whistle. He gets stripped in the pile, and Southern Illinois runs out with the ball. They call it a fumble on the field, doesn't get overturned in review. Southern Illinois has a short field, goes six plays for 38 yards, game-winning touchdown pass from Nick Baker. Game of the week, Coach, the Salukis, man, they're proving everyone wrong here. They said last year we had a lot of hype. We didn't live up to it. This year we're showing everybody. And that, uh, as a coach, I know they are are still steaming over that because, you know, at the end of the day, it should be, hey, man, we, you know we're running this thing out. Once that pile stands up, you know, blow the whistle. But also, uh, you know, that young man's got to understand, it. you're not going to come out of there and go 80 yards. Once contact is made, I know instincts take over, but at that point, you got to start covering that thing up and get down um, just for that reason. Um, but then you go back, and I want to, again, man, they turn that thing over mm. four times, turn that thing over four times and still got out of there. So uh, I know they're riding high and feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean they outgained Simo five forty three to three, what three thirty seven? Yeah, crushing. and with two for eleven on third down. But coach, the the key here, four of six on fourth downs. They just they might not have been super efficient, but man, when they needed to make a play, they and sometimes that's what you need as a team. Like every, I think fans sometimes get upset. Every win is not going to be a pretty win. I will say it like that. Sometimes, man, you might not play your best. If you can get out with a win, listen, we can fix our issues later. We'll put some makeup on it the next week going into the next game. We just need to get the W this week. Just get out with a win at all costs. And then we'll figure, we'll go from there. Um, Because at the end of the day, winning is hard, man. 
uh, winning is hard. So you'll take a 26, 25, four turnover win any day. Um, and we'll work on that next week. Uh, but right now, when we get back on this bus, man, we are going to celebrate like it's, uh, what did they say, 1999. So oh, yeah. I think uh, I think at the end of the day, you got to have uh, you got to have luck. You got to beat the injury bug and you've got to be somewhat talented um, in order to win, you know, ball games in a championship. Uh, and right there was that that one luck that they can point back to at the end of the year and be like, man, we got lucky with that one. You know, so you got to have that. Yeah, Nick Baker made some mistakes, but, man, three touchdowns, including the game winner, went for 462 passing yards this weekend, just balling out. I know you see the comment. I was yeah, laughing at I'm it, too. To get, I'm we're, trying to get – Yeah, yeah <laughs> listen, we're, we're not going to address it. We're not even going to say it and put it out in the atmosphere. Listen, we ain't going to say nothing. But, listen, Vincent Davis transferred from Charleston Southern, 8 for 126, a touchdown, the kid to playmaker Isaiah Hartrup. Seven for 94, two touchdowns. The wide receiving core played outstanding coach. You had, including the running back, you had five players with five or more catches and five players with over 55 receiving yards. The way that Baker spread the ball out and got everyone involved was huge, and that, that was a big key for this game. Hey, that's a winning day um, for that for that area of your ball club. That's a winning day, and then it's almost throw for uh, – you know, close to 500 yards, man. Uh, great. Just got to clean up those two INTs. But, uh, you know, that's being efficient, and that's really knowing where people are going to be um, and trusting everybody that, you know, is in the pass game. Not all those guys are receivers. Uh, so, you know, he's got big trust in uh, in those guys, and it shows up in the stat line when you could look and see that that many guys had over this many amount of catches. Yeah, P.J. Jules on the defensive side showing his All-American potential. This was the guy who I really consider putting him on my preseason All-American. I want to see a little bit more. Man, he has just been playing. I mean, he's had A-plus games all three weeks, 15 tackles this weekend, some tackles for loss, three pass breakups from, from the safety spot. The defensive line did a great job establishing the line of scrimmage. I want to say they had three or four sacks this weekend. Man, huge win for the Salukis, man. Keep building momentum to go into conference play 3-0 and is huge for this team. Big now time. it's where do you fall in the pecking order? Are you are you that second-tier contender, or can you take a step forward and compete with the North Dakota, South Dakota State and make things a little bit more interesting in the MVFC? And that's the question mark for them. But at the end of the day, man, just getting into the playoffs, whether it's in a large bid or wh whatever it may be, getting back to the playoffs is is in reach right now for Southern Illinois. Yes. Um, and that, again, you can point to, hey, guys, we played this bad and still won. If we clean these things up, guys, you know, that all that stuff is, is right there, man, uh, within reach. We just got to clean this up. Uh, so I'm sure right now they have that circle. They can see it. Can't quite get to it yet, but they can see it and they know it's in it's in uh, it's in range. Yeah. So, Coach, man, as we shift to this last segment, man, you said you want to save a topic to the end, man. Let, let, let's let's address it. Go ahead, man. Start it. Oh, it's about the, the voting. Yeah, start it, man. <laughs> Started. Oh man. Okay. So, so the question. I, this is this kind of came from the voting thing. But uh, as a coach, do you think there's such a thing as a good loss? Only if you go and sack loses that game by three or by one. Um, 
I think that's a, a good loss. That's something they can point to. That's something they can say, hey, guys, we were right there. Um, this we, we got a good group here. Um, but you still point out it's a loss. But that loss is way different than uh, being on the other end of a 84-17 loss. You know, that's that's a bad loss, you know. Even though all losses are losses, that's a bad loss. So I, I think there are certain things, uh, certain games, certain losses that fall under that category, but it's a fine line uh, of what's considered or could be considered me. Yeah, okay, so that question came from because they, there was a big discussion around the the top 25. Is 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 a, a win over a D2 or Pioneer League or a lower conference team, does a close win against that team, should that weigh less than a clo- than like let's say who do you want who do I want to use? Uh Youngstown State goes up to Fargo and loses like a, a seven, you know, ten point game. Like it's competitive, but they lose, obviously. Is that loss better than a close win over a lower tier program? I think so. Um, even though I think neither one of those should be into you, if you put one into the category, you got to put the other one into the category. Uh, just because, you know, Morgan State's loss, which we all know should have been a win at Akron, still comes up as a loss. Um, but they go and they beat Coach Fred INT by 70. Uh, you know, what if we're counting one, we got to count the other. I'm with you because. There's some people that say there's there's it you know at the end of the day you're counting wins and losses but at, at, I think at the FBS level maybe like if you're if, like if you're a, a top like you got the full scholarships everyone's competing on a, on the same money level like you know you got to go out there and win those games but the FCS level it's tough because it, you got to grade teams on like this weird scale especially early in the season because there's teams that are in the top 25 that are one and two but they've played two power five teams then you got another team behind them that's three and oh but they played two d2 teams and then like a pioneer league team and it's like okay is that three and oh better than that one and two and that's where it becomes hairy to me um and then that leads to the question that i had which part of the 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 last segment that i want to talk about would it be better for fcs um to not start it until after all that is over just because of that, um, you've got teams that you're putting in that haven't even played. Uh, you know, what? what's the benchmark? What are you judging them on? What they did last year or what they have on paper potentially to be? Um, that's where, to me, I – and I always think this about – well, I've always had to start about even the upper upper level. This really shouldn't start until maybe week three, um, even for them. Um Florida State plays three lower-level teams, and they shoot to number one. And then the first time they get to somebody in the ACC, they get beat. They were to start at number one, but how far do they go uh, with that loss? You know, that kind of thing. That's why, I'm, you know, especially for, for this level, I think it has to be a real talk of we don't start this till week three, get all those games out the way. Now, after that first week of matchups, 
now you can kind of put people where uh where they where they rank naturally uh because if you start out with two d2 teams and you win what you're supposed to do uh and you keep climbing that first loss is not going to hurt you so to speak um as to where somebody that started out with two fbs teams um and owing to and then they win their first fcs nobody's paying attention to them i like western carolina you know uh because they started out owing two so I don't know if you could, if it if it's even possible to do, but I think that has to come into. It has to come into you know effect. I think somehow. I think you see that with Southeastern Louisiana, zero and three, because they played two. Uh, they played South Alabama, Mississippi okay. State had a tough FCS road game where they had to go from Louisiana to Cheney or or, or Cheney, Washington, whatever it is. They yeah. said in the chat last okay. episode. Yeah, yeah, way up there on the red turf. I mean. They're zero and three, but who? I don't want to pick on it. Oh God, I'm trying to think. I don't want to pick on anyone out of pocket. But okay, I'm gonna do it. Central. Would Central be two and one if they played the same schedule as Southeastern Louisiana? And you gave Southeastern Louisiana, A and T, Winston Salem State. Yeah, and and with the loss that Central took, UCLA still is UCLA. It was a, a a huge, you know, huge loss, point differential, so to speak. Do you move them if they were, or do you leave them where they at because you're saying they play UCLA? So that's where I think it kind of, you know, goes back and forth. Yeah, because I saw someone in the chat put Valley had a tough schedule. I'm like, no, we're not going to say it. they had two. They've had two D two games in a bye week. And they're oh, yeah. Not, yeah, that's not a, no. I mean, because. I get it, but nah. Yeah, I get. I, I got what you mean, but no, that wasn't a tough one. I mean, I'm with you because I think at all levels you should wait till week three to four to probably do rankings. Now they will never do it because they want content, they want talking points, yeah. they want a way to promote the matchups. Because when you like Alabama, Texas, when it, it's a top ten matchup, draws more eyes than if it was Alabama versus Texas. No numbers beside the name. Now I don't know why because we know how good those teams are. Anyway. It should still draw a lot of eyes, but especially with the FCS when you're competing mm -hmm. for views and you're competing like for perception. Sometimes you need like South Dakota State, Montana State. You needed the one versus three. I get it. Yeah, so I, they'll never do it, but I'm with you because I do think there's some teams, and there's also some teams that survive on reputation. Um, I I moved them down a little bit, but I if they struggle next week, man, I don't know if I'm going to rank them. You got the Montana; they're three and zero. They didn't look impressive against Butler week one. They they had a solid win week two against Utah Tech. They beat Ferris State by seven. They were down ten to three at halftime. Uh, I see people with Montana in the top ten, and I'm like, what are we watching? Like, is that really a top ten team? I mean, because Right now, if they played any one of the top ten, at, even even the non-big sky teams in the top ten, I don't think I'm picking Montana in a neutral site to win that game. Right. Uh, I'm laughing because someone put in the chat that uh, Valley had a tough D two schedule, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, oh, it, it's tough. And like you said, I'm I'm with you. I know it won't change, but there's got to be. I think voters have to look at it different. Um, I think voters have to look at it. But I think they have to look at it differently. Um, it's like going by the days of old. I recognize these names, so I expect these names to be the same teams they were five years ago. And that's not the case. Um, 
at this day and age in football, I mean, it changes from week to week, uh, definitely from year to year, uh, who's up, who's down. Um, I just think if there was a way to change it, I think they've got to look at it. But I'm like you, uh, I think there's other factors that won't allow them to change uh, how that goes. No, I mean, and I get it's a talking point too. They're always going to want preseason ballot, you know, rankings and stuff oh, no, like no. that because it generates all season talk. It's great to release it before the season. It's like, yeah. oh man, you're so wrong. This team's going to suck because of this. Like, I, it's good, it. and it's yeah. and it's good for us because we had a whole show about preseason rankings. Um, but in terms of that, I, I do think, man, because if you get brought it back to even you can have the preseason rankings. Now you go to week four, man, you should just start a new ballot. What right. would like, it, like if you took it? I mean, because the FCS is tough. Like you said, there's still you still have that problem of looking. But we'll take it FBS for an example, real quick. Would Alabama be top fifteen right now after how they've looked the first three weeks? Lost to Texas, struggle uh, versus. Uh, I won't even say South Florida. At this point, a middle of the road group of five, maybe yeah. a lower group of five. Um, I don't think so. You know. Um, but I think the past has a lot to do to where they kind of stay where they are. You know, uh, LSU got manhandled by Florida State, uh, tumbled down. Um, they come out and they bully Grambling. Uh, they move up a couple spots. And I'm just like – To be know, fair, that looked really good after they just got done putting up like 900 yards on Mississippi State. So, like, maybe they <laughs> – Maybe they knew something. But yeah. before that, though – you know, like, uh, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think those that vote owe it to the vote to at least put some time in to actually see what you're checking off. That's all I'm That's, saying. Yeah, because like with the media poll, like because are all the voters reliable? Probably not. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you're probably going to have some sort of very, even with the AP poll at F FBS and the coaches poll at FBS, there's some inconsistencies, but strictly talking FCS, I feel like a higher percentage of, of the voters in the stats perform poll actually watch the games than the voters in the coaches poll. I would guarantee there might not be a coach who had time to like really even look, barely look at the scores for all the games for all the teams that were possibly eligible for the top 25. There's, there's no way. I get it. Um, it's due by when? Um, I want to. Okay, so I don't vote in the coaches' poll. I know for the media poll, it's like early Monday morning, Sunday night, somewhere in there. Yeah, the coaches' poll, if I'm not mistaken, is due Monday by, I don't know, maybe 10 or something like that. Um, so you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, you play Saturday night and you got Sunday to watch, correct, do all that other stuff. Um, it's tough to go back and and at least scour through games uh, to see what you're going to you know, put down. I think it just kind of turns into one of those things, like you said, it's just kind of a, I know him, I know him, I don't know him. Uh, I kind of know him, you know, that kind of thing. Or we're playing them in two weeks. Let me go ahead and bump them up. So, you know, in case we play them, you know. Just we, we in wanna, case. Yeah, just in That's case we might see them down the road, you know, we'll put them a little bit higher. Cause, yeah, because I'm looking here. Our ballots for the media poll are due at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Monday, which I'm assuming the coaches' poll is probably around that anyway. Yeah. Um, man, I'm t like, because your schedule's busy. I mean, heck, we had to move this show because you were busy last night. You guys had a night practice 
yeah. as busy as your schedule is, man, what is Fred McNair doing from Saturday night when Matt McNeese game ends at 9.30 p.m. on Saturday night, and now he's got to have run a whole team throughout Sunday? Yeah, um, and that's why I'm going to take the the reins on that, and I'll just be the guy that's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That kind uh, so, of so, so was Fred a voter this year? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay. So he's part uh, of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask him how many, how many FCS games he watched this weekend? Uh, he's part of the problem. That's why I wrote it down. As soon as we get done right here, I'm going to go around his office and say, hey, man, from now on, I'm going to take that off your plate, brother. I got it. <laughs> you said, listen, I do a full FCS show. I'm out here talking about Eastern Washington and, and Western it, Carolina and Furman. Hey, I got it. I got you covered. I'll make you look good. But we got to talk. We got to talk to Fred and just see if he could come on and break down his ballot for the first two weeks. And just I got to see oh. what what we got on that. Oh, he have a good time with that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna put that in play. Yeah, he'd have a good time with that. Oh, but he would probably crack up knowing him because he man, he's funny with it too. But man, coach, final takeaways from the week, man. Give me give me your biggest winner and loser from week three, man. As we wrap this up, man, it's got to be sack biggest winner. Um, yeah. They had to feel good all sorts of ways, not just a W, but, you know, um, a guy that you, you know, you used to play for just a few months ago. Uh, you go out, you perform big in front of him um, and you beat him. Uh, not that there was any ill feelings, but I'm sure there was some, you know, uh, locker room talk to get them going um, about that. But, you know, I think they have to be one of the biggest winners of the, uh, of the weekend. And, uh I don't know, man. I don't want to say it, but I just feel like uh, I'm not going to say it because it was out of conference deal. But uh, I think SU, uh, big winner, uh, because it was getting hot um, down in Baton. Um, So I feel like, you know, that was one of the biggest winners because they they had to have it. And it's a uh, have to have, I think – for them going forward. And then the, uh, the other biggest winner is uh, of us, of course. Uh, I think we had a lot of people that were ready to uh, sink the boat. Uh, and we, uh, you know, the kids came out, played great. Um, so I'm going to put us in that category as a big winner as well for this, uh, for this past weekend. It, do you have any losers this week? Uh, yeah, man, it's got to be Coach Maynard, man. I mean, he barked his way into that loss, man. That made national news. You can't go oh. out there and lose, man. You make national news about your press conference, man. That's I, I got to go with that just because of the uh, of the press conference and hype that it came with. Not that I was oh. mad at it. I'm just saying. No, I, I love it. So I, I'm with you. Winner, Sac State. Winner, Western Carolina. Huge road win. Uh, the Salukis escaping with the women. I think those are easily the three biggest winners. Loser. A majority of HBCU football this weekend. Yeah. I, I, okay, so everyone knows HBCU nightly, Josh Sims. We got a big group chat to kind of game plan the, the spaces and everything. Each week we do our top 10 HBCU power rankings. There was a player in there, a former player who played at an HBCU as a coach at an HBCU program right now who said it was the worst weekend of HBCU football he remembers in years. The MEAC coach, winless this weekend. Wow. Winless. And, 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 you know, yes, you had the UCLA, the Temple game and, and all that. Howard, 
collapsing down the stretch against Hampton in a big rivalry, gives the CAA a big win over, over the MEAC. Yeah. Richmond destroying Delaware State 38 to 6. And then Morgan State collapsing against Townsend in a huge, in a not a huge, but a battle for Baltimore. For the, yeah. Uh, for the wheel. No, no, that, that was the Salukis. Salukis won the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Salukis the Salukis won the wheel. Won the wheel. Yeah. They, had, they had some dope pictures of that. And then the SWAC this weekend, of course, Miami picking apart Bethune. Grambling's defense struggling with Florida Memorial, who I think I don't are they D2? Are they like I, 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 yeah? I, you can't, I, they struggled in the first half against Florida Memorial. Miles almost knocking off UAPB, fam. You struggling against West Florida in the first half. PV 69 to nothing. SMU rice over Texas Southern. You had the conference game, but then you had Delta State over Valley by 28 points. And then Jackson goes and gives up 77 to Texas State. A bad 77. Yeah, I mean, the only two teams and, – and I've heard Southern fans aren't even happy with their win. So, like, they're the only happy fan base right now in the SWAC and MEAC are you guys. Like, that's it. Like, <laughs> everyone else is, like, kind of upset. I mean, FanView fans are happy. Listen, they played, what, the number four team in D2, got out with a 21-point win. They won by 20-plus. We said that was kind of the margin. There might be two happy fan bases in the SWAC and MEAC right now. Yes, and uh, someone put in the Tennessee State. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was huge. Yes, uh, yeah. The, the walk-off they, that, win. That, that, that's that's a huge one, but man, it's got to be better out of conference, man. Like this is just getting like out. I mean, does anybody know? Because I tried to go back, but I couldn't pull it up to see how we got to the twenty-one twenty uh, Pine Bluff uh, Miles game. Um, so anybody Pine Bluff, Pine Bluff was up fourteen to nothing in the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. So they and so that they were up the entire. They never lost the lead. They were up twenty-one to seven late in the third. I went back and watched some highlights of that game. Um, yeah. I mean, they they controlled the game. I'll give them that. And then Miles kind of Miles scored a late touchdown in the third, and then scored late in the or it was it was like mid fourth. They scored and they had the PAT blocked actually, and that's how we got to twenty-one to twenty. It should have been twenty-one twenty-one overtime. And we get, yeah, the, ah. and, 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 they, and UAPB blocked the extra point. Oh man, oh man, oh, that's yeah. tough. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, but hey, a win's a win. And listen, Miles beat Alabama State, man. If I'm UAPB, I was 0 2. Listen, like, like you said, I'm taking the win. I know that. And, and like D Lob said, that is true. Miles scored off of a muff punt. Okay. In the fourth quarter, like that's that's it, it was okay. a bad punt. So it, it, you could say, yeah, they blocked an extra point, but you know that uh, at the end of the day, they came out with the win. I will say a, a big loser for me to uh, not a big loser, just a loser overall. Man, the Southland. I talked a little bit about it earlier. They have struggled in out of conference games outside yep. of Incarnate Word. Yep. It it's bad and ron i'm not going to pick on the pioneer listen they don't have scholarships we expect that from them we we don't expect that from the swack and me that that's yeah so it. i'm not going to compare those two but i will say I, I think the southland overall outside of incarnate word no one's really looked impressive now southeastern louisiana has played a murderer's row of schedule but they still got to win like that eastern washington game was a winnable game from them and they you know that they, they didn't play well um, but man, uh, I must say, yeah, uh, Dwayne, yep. I did not. We, me and coach said on the show, we were not picking West Florida. 
No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, that was everyone else. That was that was everyone else. Me and coach said it's gotta be by 20. Y'all got 20. I'm good with that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Wasn't saying I net, did not say that part. I just saw yeah. that. Like, no, I didn't think that one. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, well, we're not moving the goalpost. FAMU should have won that game by 20, and they won that game by 20. Every, I'm I'm good with it. But I have I there were some fans on uh, there were some fans that I heard very vocally in that first half, not happy with the first half performance, but in the second half, man, they turned it on. The offense yeah. went stupid in the second half. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things, man. I mean, they're kids. Um, no matter how much or how you uh, press upon them as a coach throughout the week, don't overlook it, don't overlook it. Um, you know, I'm sure that some of that was in their head, like, you know, hey, we're just going to come out, roll over this thing, and then they actually had to uh, actually had to work. Um, and I did see that as uh, someone just put in the bottom of the chat that uh, it, I, I saw what that could have actually been. Um, had that last score count. Uh, I actually saw that. So, um, you know, those those are bad losses like we talked about. Um, no matter how you look at it, um, bad loss, bad loss. Now, because if it starts to come, a, you know, it, it gets in your psyche. I don't care what you say. We played up. We played Alabama. Uh, it still gets in your psyche. You look up, you walk off a field, and you just got beat 91 to 7. Um that's that's going to be played in your mind for a long time. You're going to hear about it for a long time, all that stuff. So uh, that, that to me constitutes one of those things that's really like a bad, bad loss. Yeah, because it's tough to kind of come away with positives when the conference overall is struggling without a conference at your level. And then, I mean, there wasn't a game like against a group of five teams that was even close. Like, I mean, there wasn't a single game that was in one or two scores. Right. At the end, like, right. um, you know, and it, it's got to be tough because this is what I said is like, yes, you're not supposed to win those games, but across the FCS, you have teams competing in those games. And it's like you at least want to have you, you want to look back like that Idaho loss this week. I mean, they were leading 17 nothing up until like the late third quarter. Like that's something you're like, man, we really out here should have had it balling. Yeah, and then you got have. teams knocking off Stanford. And you got you got you know Morgan coming down to the last play against Akron. It's like those those games are opportunities still to prove like how good of a team you are. And I do agree, Dwayne. Listen, FAMU gets credit against South Florida, man, because South Florida came out here and was balling against Bama last week. So they had an that opportunity. Game, that game was competitive. So I think that that's uh, really and truly next year. That's something I want to see is just like. As a conference, man, you got to step. You got to step up and start winning some amount of conference games, man. It's just getting like it's getting sad with the streak now. Yeah, and that was a good. That was a good loss for Miles College, uh, being what they had done the week before, um, and having the opportunity to pull that. Uh, they got to feel really, really good going into uh, into their conference play. Um, so I'll give you that on a you know that type of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, we just know now going in, we got to really. I guarantee you the next time they practice, the extra point team will have oh, yeah. at least uh, three periods of nothing but blocking full-on extra point practice. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, there, that, that's definitely a good loss. There's a few teams that got to get some special teams practice, man. Jackson allowed, like, what, 200 or 300 yards, it felt like, on kick returns this weekend. That kid from Incarnate Word – um, I'm blanking on his name. He was in like he was like an all-conference true freshman. I was like Cole Wilson. Man, that kid was cooking 
the the kickoff coverage team for Jackson. Man, I mean, it was it was insane, man. But coach, man, before we get out of here, big conference game this weekend versus PV, man. At at the house too. Get get yes. another home game, man. How you guys feeling going into this week? Um, you know, the the main thing, like you said, man, at the house, don't have to take that ride. Uh, got one in last week on the grass. Got a you know a big win. Got some things going. Uh, looked really good offensively early. Just gotta gotta maintain that throughout. You know, four quarters. Uh, defense hopefully continues to build. Continues to play fast and hard. Uh, we like our opportunity. We like our chance at home. Uh, so, you know, really excited about it. First one, get a chance to uh, either go up one or be chasing. Uh, that's just what it is at this point. Um, and, and that's how it is from this point on. And uh, someone in the in the chat asked me, who did I think would win the East? Uh, that's going to be a good battle, man. But I think uh, I think for sure right now the, the, the flagship is in, in Tallahassee. Uh, yeah. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. Um, just from looking around the the East that scores, uh, peeking in on a few games from East teams, uh, they've got to make up a lot of ground unless Fam just kind of gives it to someone. Um, I don't know if anybody over there can catch them right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, Alabama State, Hasn't looked super impressive. AM just caught a loss to Southern. So they're down a game. It's like, oh, like what? It's it's really Jackson and Fam. And it's like, who's who who's would, gonna help Jackson? Yeah. Cause because right now I'm looking, I mean, I'll be honest, and this is no offense to some of the you don't you don't have to shake your head in agreement, man. I know you're coaching the conference. Let's not give anything away. The conference as a whole is really bad right now, based on like what each team's put on film. When I look at FAMU's schedule, it's like, who's going to catch them? Jesus, man. Like, there are some, like, matchups where it's like, okay, maybe that team could have, but they look like they look terrible. This other team just came off a D2 loss. Like, this other team's got injuries. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, it's just like a murderer's row of problems right now when you look across. I mean, right now in the West, with Grambling's defensive struggles, it looks like all corn and PVs to like this. I would not be surprised that the winner of this weekend goes on to win the West. And then you look at the East, it's like, man, like outside of that all corn Jackson game at the end of the year, I don't see anyone in the swag who can catch Jackson left on that schedule right now. Right. And that's the, uh, that's gotta be the heartbreak. And I guess that's what people have been screaming for the last two years or so. Uh, when you play that early one, you know, right out the gate, uh, you're looking for help, but you got to continue to keep pace yourself. Um, and again, looking through the East, I just don't know uh, who can help Jackson twice because they got to have help twice. Uh, or have a three-way tie. But the problem yeah. is everyone, because the problem, like what would have to, because what would have to happen is you have to have a three-way tie, which means you would have to have three teams in that division finished with only one conference loss. Yep. I don't see like Jackson could finish with one conference loss. That wouldn't surprise me necessarily. But who in the hell would be the other team to only have like that means AM would have to win out, which but they played Jackson. So that's which excludes, would take Jackson out of it. Yeah, which would take Jackson out of it. Valley can't get out of its own way against D2 teams. They're not going to that they're not going to finish with one loss in the division. AM and FAM still plays. That's yeah, that's like so only. it's like the the only team that would have a chance is state. 
because State doesn't have a conference loss, so they would have to beat FAMU this weekend, lose to yeah. Jackson, then all three of those teams went out, which is impossible because, because Bama State plays Jackson. The classic, and, and uh, Bama State plays a in the classic. Yeah, so it, I just – uh, yeah, that, that that's what that's the problem is like, I just think right now and then you look at the other side. I mean, uh, the other side is just going to be pure chaos. I, but I, I think there's two clear favorites. And then the other thing I'm looking for is, is Grambling's defense. Does it just need to be build chemistry or is it Sundiata Lewis and they don't really have anybody else? Because it kind of looks like the second right now. Oh, no doubt. And. Someone put in the thing. I mean, that's right. Fam's got to fam's got to mess it up themselves on the east. Uh, over on the west, um, you know, it's one of those things where, again, it's a uh, it's a week by week thing. Um, this week will start to sort it out, but this is just really one week, um, and then it's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes in. But I like our chances because we play. Uh, the big game, so to speak, we have them at home. Um, so um, I like our chances on that, you know, in that situation, uh, not just because I, you know, work here, but uh, having it at home, even if it was, you know, reverse uh, to me, the home team in a lot of situations, you don't have to worry about travel. You actually get an extra day of work if you want it or however you schedule your practices uh, as to where uh, the visiting teams got to get on the bus at some point. Friday to be there. Uh, so, you know, being at home, I think is a, uh, is a, is a, is a good thing. Um, and you know, it all comes down to this weekend, so to speak, to get it started and we'll kind of go from there. So as I say, out of practice all the time to my guys, man, ain't number the dice game. Man, I, I'm with you, man. I'm excited to see, I, I'm telling you, I, like I said, on the preview, the SWAC West race might be the most exciting race in all of college football in terms of who's going to come out of that division I and mean, it's going to be pure chaos and i can't i can't wait for it i know you don't want pure chaos but as a fan i know everyone's looking nah. for the west to be crazy but hey you would I'm like good. it all wrapped up i'm but good guys, with it but uh i don't need <laughs> chaos in my life i don't <laughs> he said let there be chaos over there in the uh, in the east man yeah i'll watch, <laughs> yeah, watch it i love it man but guys appreciate y'all tuning in like i said these recaps will either come Sunday night, Monday, Monday afternoon, depending on coaches' schedule, depending on whether they're traveling, have late practice, all that kind of stuff. Uh, preview Wednesday night or Thursday night. We'll kind of we'll kind of update you guys in the community tab on social media, man. Both our handles are down below for X or Twitter, whatever it's called, man. But make sure to hit the like button, the subscribe button. And for myself and my guy, Coach Fred, man, we'll see y'all later this week. But for right now, we out. No chaos. <laughs>